Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of Otaku Brothers. Long delayed, my name is Rusty, and as always, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan, how we doing? Hey, good. Yeah, it's been way too long. It's been like, what, a month and a half or so? At least. Yeah, if not more than that. Uh, We've just been having... Well, I mean, just for some quick context as we kind of kick the show off, um, just life got in the way. I know with the move, Lauren and I still, even today, have so many things that we're trying to get in order. And I know work has been nothing but crazy for you, yeah. Uh, especially since Lauren's departure. I'm sure the office is in absolute chaos. Yeah, it really is. Just fires everywhere. Just people are screaming. Godzilla attacked a couple weeks ago. So. Oh, damn. Man, yeah. that's nuts. It's rough. Uh, but yeah, so we just figured that it made the most sense to put the show on the back burner until Lauren and I are better settled in with the house. And, uh, you know, of course, I think the last time we were talking, um, maybe I only updated the Discord itself, but uh, the computer that I was previously using to record the show, I sent in for repair, and um, they said it was beyond repair, so they just shipped me off a nice little check, and uh, then I've been building the dream machine ever since. But we'll get into that, Ryan, in a little bit. We have a packed show to get to. And uh, I'm just praying to God that I can actually edit this together in post because we are recording in separate locations and we're both recording our local audio, which is, believe it or not, 95 episodes of doing this show and I've never had multi-track for us uh, recording two separate audio files. So it should be a heck of a fun time. So we'll talk about the PC stuff later. We got to talk about the PS5 impressions and uh, I have some collecting update stuff too. But uh, before we do all that, as always, Ryan, just want to open up the floor to see how you're doing. I'm doing well. Yeah, I um, this weekend kind of took a break from life. I mean, it was Thanksgiving, so socially distanced, ate some turkey, but nothing crazy. Still kind of staying at home to myself with Nala, who's doing great. She is currently locked in a room, so probably not the most fun for her, but she's, she's still doing great. Um... Yeah, so I went to my old college roommate's house. He just bought his grandpa's house. Um, so oh, nice. he's decking it out. It was built in the 1960s, so he's trying to make it modern. Already has Alexa controlling the entire house when it mm, comes to turning stuff. on lights. Um, it, it looks really nice right now. So it was a good time. Played a bit of Monster Hunter up there. Watched a few movies. Yeah, just, just relaxed. So I'm pretty... I mean, we we stayed up to two a few nights, so I'm maybe not fully recovered, but had a monster this morning, so nice. my heart palpitates. That is why. How are you doing, Rusty? I'm doing pretty well. I, you know, if you don't mind me saying, I do want to just give you a little kudos. <laughs> you seem to just be in better spirits right now. Well, I thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I. Yeah. I needed a break. Yeah, I'm, I was kind of going crazy. Just being alone at my apartment, you can only uh, stay confined. I mean, I, I think too much, so it, it kills me just to be locked in my apartment. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy now. I also got a lightsaber, which I posted in the Discord. No, oh, hell yeah. Um, 
So I'm going to figure out how I want to do that. Eventually, if I buy a house, I'll buy another couple lightsabers and mount them on the wall. And that'll be when the lights are off. I'll just have the three lightsabers on. So that's my game plan. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing better. And I'm just glad to be back behind the mic with you uh, recording the show. A few life updates for me. Of course, Lauren and I still are getting settled into the house, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Another reason that's kind of driving us to record separately is where we're at. Um, Our county is kind of in the purple right now in terms of the spread of COVID. So things are definitely taking a turn for the worse, not only here, but I think across the United States. So definitely a little PSA for everyone, as you already know, to just stay safe out there. But um, it hit a little too close to home for me. not this past week, not Thanksgiving week, but the week before that. Um, of course, my dad, we typically get together and watch the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we got together uh, two Sundays ago and watched, I think it was the Bengals game. Was it the Bengals game? I can't remember at this point, but we got together that Sunday. We were hanging out, having a good time, fist bumping, high fiving, just doing what we do during the Steeler victory type days. And then two days later, Tuesday morning, I got a call from him, and he he typically doesn't call me in the morning. We talk every day, but it's rare that he calls me at like 7.30 in the morning. And uh, so I kind of knew something was up, and he said that, hey, uh, I woke up with a fever, shakes, and body aches, and so I'm going to go get tested for COVID today. And I said, okay. And the following morning, he called me back and said I did test positive. So... I, of course, immediately went under lockdown, tried to self-quarantine away from Lauren as best I could. Um, she eventually was just like, because we'd already, of course, been in the same bed for two nights at that point. So if if I did by contact tracing, was exposed, then Lauren was already exposed to me. Um, so fortunately for her work, uh, she's forced to get tested um, every week. And she tested negative, And over the past two weeks, neither one of us have exhibited symptoms. So Thankfully, I think we're in the clear, at least Lauren and I are, uh, but of course we're doing our best to just stay indoors and not do a whole lot of anything outside of our home, and uh, you know, unfortunately, my dad just texted me this morning and said yesterday he tested positive again, even though he's not exhibiting symptoms at all. So, um, you know, praying for the best, it's, I, I know this is a problem, and I, and I hope everyone is taking it as seriously as they possibly can because this 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 virus and its effect on people and their health and their lives is um, is definitely real. And when it hits this close to home, it's it's kind of freaky. You know, it's a little scary, yeah. especially my dad. He's he's sixty years old. He's in the the age demographic where he's most at risk. Uh, thankfully, he's a really healthy guy. He works out pretty much every day. Uh, he stopped eating Captain Crunch two years ago in exchange for Life cereal. So he's wow. making good. Yeah, yeah, he's making good health. Uh, <laughs> Is that like a midlife crisis? Because I mean, I don't know. That's a big yeah, change. It was for him, you know. A lot of tears were shed. He kind of went into hibernation uh, for a couple of months, <laughs> but um, you know, he Bought started a to motorcycle. Have it. Sold yeah. a motorcycle. <laughs> exactly. Did he give up his M and M's? Because he still has. Does he still have the uh, container of M and M's? Oh no, his M and M's are still chilling there in the walkway okay. right when you walk in. So yeah. So he hasn't changed too much as a person. Just a no, he's not bit. a crazy man. Yeah, he didn't flip yeah, his whole okay. life upside down. Yeah. He still eats okay. chocolate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that was kind of freaky. But thankfully, um, you know, prayers up. He's still doing well. He's he's remains healthy and he's not in any way um, reverting back to the symptoms that he was experiencing. That that pretty much that one day after twenty four hours, he was 
good to go. No fever, no shakes, no nothing. So uh, Rusty Sr. is in good health, which is um, good news to report in my eyes. Um, but outside of that, you know, it was Lauren's birthday, November 16th, which is always a good, you know, another year around the sun for my wife, for your yeah. sister. Um, and uh, we stopped at the parents quickly. Um, and we were actually all wearing masks, too, just because it's crazy out there. And yeah. your parents had bought some uh, Jersey Mike subs to give to the whole family. We didn't eat there. We just kind of packed things up and said, you know, go on your merry way. But we have some gifts for Lauren because it's her birthday. So she opened up two things. And it was interesting because um, we went outside and, and uh, you know, we, we were talking with your dad a little bit. And you were there. You got a haircut. You look really nice, by the way. Very handsome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I was getting too shaggy. I I don't know how people do like the man buns and the long hair because I, maybe my hair is too thick. But it, the second it got in my eyes, like on walks and stuff or working out, I was just pissed. I went yeah. into a fit of rage and I'm like, I don't care. Um, I'll, I'll just shave it off. So I started to shave it off, and then my clippers died midway through. So I had like half buzzed. I looked like I had gone on like a week-long meth binge and then nice. decided to cut my hair. Um, so I, yeah, I ended up going to the parents and grabbing their clippers real quick. And my mom was just like, dear God, what happened to you? <laughs> like, <laughs> you had hair. It looks so nice. But don't buzz it. Like, I look, I look bad. So, uh, yeah, I ended up getting it cleaned up a little bit. Good deal, so, man. Well, I look I like think- I can go back into society at some point. Well, and I think too, like long hair, I think definitely works for you, but you do have really thick hair. So you would just need to go to a stylist just to get it kind of yeah. styled a bit, you know, start using some product, you know, I could help you out with that. Yeah. She ends up my old hair stylist before all of this craziness. She would actually thin out my hair and I'm like, <sighs> my dad who has some very thin hair in the back of his head. I'm like, me thinning it out, I just it feels weird, or like maybe it's gonna. I'm gonna go bald because I'm thinning my hair, but yeah, who knows? So good stuff. Always love talking about hair here in the Otaku Brothers. Okay, podcast. so what is your favorite? Do you like the Rachel? Haircut? Uh, the Rachel haircut. I'm more of a Ross fan myself. Are you? Yeah, See, I think I could pull off the Rachel. Mm. I, I was basically actually there with this. Oh my gosh, my audio levels. It's really weird seeing my audio levels now that we're recording in two places. Oh, now you know the anxiety-filled roller coaster <laughs> I go through every time we record this damn podcast? Yeah, it really makes me self-conscious of pulling away from my mic because I just shot up and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, oh. see, man? Now you, now you understand. I, and and that's yeah. the thing. So, like, you probably sound a lot louder than I do, but hopefully in post I can help correct some of that, that I, stuff. I'm sitting, like, four inches away, which is what the pre-recording showed was okay, but... I, I'm just projecting on the caffeine from my monster this morning. So, yeah, we'll just sit back, you know, relax. Hey a guys, bit. hey guys, how's it going? Yeah. Anyways, so we were at yeah. your parents' house. We go outside. We're talking, and you just keep bringing up Lauren's presence, and we talk a little bit. And you're just like, "Yeah, we should probably go inside and open up Lauren's gifts." And I'm like, what "I want to say the- I was smoother than that. Give no. me some credit." <laughs> oh, speak of the devil, my dad. God love him. He gives me a call every time we record the podcast. It's like it's buddy sense. It, it's literally we haven't recorded in six months, and it just happens when we record or we're actually recording. It's every single time. 
But anyways, it wasn't super smooth, and I kept wondering, like, what is going on? But I, I didn't really think a lot of it. Lauren opened her gifts, and then you gave this really nice Obama-fueled uh, speech where you were just like, listen, man, like, your game room is looking real hot, and you're starting to hang things up, and I was going to give you this on episode 100, but you're hanging up stuff fast, so I want to give you <laughs> yeah. this... I want to give you this now, which in hindsight, again, is kind of funny because whenever you asked me about the game room or you came over here and we're seeing the setup or we were painting, you kept asking me, so what are you going to hang up and where are you going to hang it up? What are you going to hang up? When are you going to hang it up? And all these different questions. <laughs> and I was like, why do you care so much about what I'm going to be putting on my walls, bro? So I always kind of had this thing in the back of my mind, like maybe he's working on something for me. Well, all of that came to fruition on this day, November 16th, the year's 2020. You brought down this magnificent Kingdom Hearts painting with Sora, Riku, and Kyrie, kind of displayed on the, the canvas itself. And then underneath that, you have uh, a little picture of Donald, Goofy, Mickey in his black Organization 13 type robes. All yeah. of them have their signature keyblades, uh, beautiful purple skyline with a little bit of smoke and stars in the background. I mean, I can't talk about painting because I just I don't really understand the finer details of it all. But um, man, you really outdid yourself with this gift. You know, I thought getting Master Chief himself to wish you a happy birthday was one thing, but uh, to spend you know 200 hours painting little old me something like this. Uh, <coughs> I can't thank you enough, man. You blew me away. Definitely caught me by surprise. And uh, I'm an absolute love. It's definitely going to be hot front and center here in the game room pretty soon. Yeah, I'm excited to see it being hung up. I It was right after shutdown. So July, I think it was 13th or 14th. And you had just given me the Master Chief thing. And I texted Lauren. I'm like, do you think he would like if I did a painting for... At that point, you hadn't even gotten the house or even thought about the house. So yeah, I, I thought it was for a future game room or whatever. And with six months to what, of what we were planning on doing was the 100th episode in early December, it seemed like a good timeline. Um, so I went out that day, got a canvas. I had come up with some initial sketch. And then, um, yeah, 200 hours later... I Blink knew about it, and Logan knew about it, but that's it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was my first composed painting, which is a lot of fun. So, yeah. A lot of late nights. Uh, literally every weekend I would give my parents the dog for Saturday morning to about Sunday afternoon, and I'd just paint. Wow. For like 12 to 15 hours each weekend. Um, not much during the week cause it's busy, but yeah, that's where I went to every Saturday. Well, hat off to you, man. Again, I really appreciate it. It's going to be, I, I think a really great centerpiece to kind of, um, yeah. bring the whole game room together. So really, really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. I, I really wanted to see your reaction. Or I thought it'd be really cool to have your reaction live, um, on the hundredth episode, but the second you're like, oh, I want this poster here, and I want this giant poster here, and then all that was left was above your couch, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> I, I literally, like, I, I was actually, I was going to give it to you a weekend earlier, like uh, on that Saturday morning, but yeah, it, I ended up having to push it back a week because things changed, so. 
Well, I'm yeah. kind of glad was, you didn't do it on episode 100, like live on the show, which actually an update on that. We'll get to that the, the tail end of today's episode. But um, I think that would have almost been like too distracting for me. You know, um, I think getting a live reaction with everyone kind of witnessing it would have been amazing. Um, yeah. But it, I think maybe in for better or for worse could have like taken away from like celebrating the 99 episodes prior to you know what i'm saying no yeah um, I get it. It's, it was a shitty idea <laughs> yeah and i i honestly don't even know why you think i even like kingdom hearts that was just a joke when we first <laughs> yeah met, why so. are you even here ryan no one likes you <laughs> <laughs> no man it's it's amazing and um you know hopefully my reaction uh was what you expected you know we, i cried a bunch you know i you held me in your arms for about two hours and it was beautiful yeah i mean no we socially distanced but we held each other at six feet apart <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. This audio exactly. is crazy. I should just stop. I should look at the clock. <laughs> just um, minimize audacity. Yeah, yeah just, so do just we want to talk about show. the 100th episode and us, that change point? or? Uh, I want to save it for thinking? the end. Yeah, I want to save that for the okay. end because I cannot hold it in any longer, Ryan. I just want to talk about the PlayStation 5. Um, All right. But before I do that, I do want to kind of bring something up for me that I, I didn't really think about until recently when good friend of the show, you mentioned him already, uh, Blink, Blinkoom, he recorded an episode or a video for his YouTube channel just talking about kind of collecting then versus now. So what it was collecting was like years ago, uh, maybe in the early stages of YouTube or even growing up as a kid uh, versus what it's kind of become now for him. And I commented on his video and just said it was an amazing video definitely felt like something uh, from that earlier YouTube gaming community era, and it's something I want to you know, do a video response for, but um, it got me to thinking, too, and it's even before that, you know, with the move, um, I had, of course, a lot of stuff that was at my dad's place that Lauren and I just didn't have the space for uh, in our one-bedroom apartment for the past three years of being married, and it was a time for me to kind of figure out, like, what do I really want uh, display in the game room? Um, what do I want to? What do I want collecting to be for me moving forward? And it's it's always something that I'm I'm thinking about, right? Because we love video yeah. games. We're constantly buying video games. We're constantly playing them. And for me, going back to the YouTube gaming community days in 2010, um, the only reason why I created a YouTube name. Uh, was to be able to comment on three people's videos in particular because in 2010 I was in high school and I was at a moment in my life where I was just getting nostalgia for the games of my past and also looking forward of the games that I wanted to play. And at the time, there were really three systems that I was either nostalgic for or wanted to play more games for and find game recommendations. And that was the Nintendo 64, the PlayStation 2, and the Nintendo DS. And if you were you know, fortunate enough to be a part of the YouTube gaming community, whether you were involved in it or you were just watching the videos of the people that were making content at the time, you probably know the three people that I ended up discovering for wanting to collect for those three systems. Again, the N64, the PS2, and the Nintendo DS. So they were FinGamer, Pete Dorr, and Craig, TV and Lust, kind of respectively, because the Finn Gamer is one of the um, most prominent N64 collectors, certainly in the community. He has a complete N64 collection. Uh, it's 
amazing, honestly. Um, Pete Dorr, if you search for Xbox 360 game collection or PS2 game collection, his was one of the first names that was going to come up. And then Craig, of course, a prominent uh, Nintendo DS collector, just Nintendo enthusiast in general. And I really took a liking to those three people commenting on their videos. And I created the Ari Lewis 2011 channel largely because I was graduating from high school in 2011, but the name just kind of stuck with me after all this time. And you know, the rest is kind of history. You know, I, because of watching pickup videos of so many people in the community, I continued to amass this quite ridiculous collection of games. You know, I, I don't remember the, the quantity of any one system I had at any given time. Um, but I definitely through college got to a point where it was like, what am I really doing with my life? Like I'm just amassing dozens, hundreds of games, most of which I'm not even playing. And I was really only buying because I kind of thought it was cool at the time. So over the years, I've started to kind of whittle it down to be the Rusty's greatest hits. I really kind of embrace the games that I love, which is primarily 3D platformers and, um, you know, action adventure games, RPGs, and licensed games, which it's no secret if you've been listening to this show that that's kind of the, the, the gaming realm that I typically stick to. Um, but, you know, thankfully, being a part of that community, I also found a love for a lot of games I would have never discovered. And a few in particular, um, the E series. Uh, if you've been watching Johnny Millennium, Happy Console Gamer, I think um, hundreds, maybe thousands of people uh, became fans of that series because of him, because of his love for the series and his continued um, talking about those those games over the course of many years on his YouTube channel. And so back in 2011, 12, 10, whatever it was, I bought the PlayStation Portable pre- Premium Editions for Ease Oath and Felgana, Ease 7, and Ease Chronicles 1 and 2, as well as um, Trails in the Sky... Um, I already forget the Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky. And um, so those four games, I was just kind of curious with the move, like, do I really want to keep these games? I played all three Ease games, four if you continue continue Chronicles 1 and 2, two separate games. Loved the hell out of those games. Incredible soundtracks, just wonderful RPGs. But they've been sitting at my dad's place for five plus years, just gathering dust. And there are also games that I can buy on Steam at this point, you know, for 10, 15 bucks. And I, I was yeah. just kind of curious, like, do I want to just throw these up on my shelf to continue sitting here for five to six years? Or do I want to give someone else the opportunity to experience these wonderful games and, and have them sit on someone else's shelf that's going to be able to appreciate them more? And that's kind of the point I'm at in my collecting life is like, would I rather get rid of some of these games that I know we're just going to collect dust, even though they look really pretty and really nice and it's fun to open up the box and look at the cloth map, put the soundtrack in and listen to it and all these other wonderful little things that were included in these boxes. I, I don't really need that anymore. You know, it's kind of served its purpose in my life and in my collecting life, if you will. And I was ready to just get rid of them. So what I never could have predicted, though, is the prices these games were going for. And so um, I ended up selling those four games that I mentioned as well as a game called Drill Dozer on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, it was a game I bought at Circuit City for like 15 bucks in a bargain bin. Uh, I believe Game Freak actually developed it. It's a little 2D platformer that has a rumble feature in the Game Boy Advance cartridge, which is really uh, pretty interesting uh, little game there. Really fun. But again, all five of these games kind of served their purpose. Played them, enjoyed them, and then I was ready to move on. And... 
why I bring all this up, one, because I love talking about like how collect how people's collecting goals and tastes and purpose in collecting has changed over the years. I love just, you know, just talking about that. Um, but with the game room, I was sitting on a Kobe 27, 32 inch, whatever it is, 720p TV, and there was no way on good conscience I could play Miles Morales, Demon Souls, Sackboy, The Pathless, Bug Snacks, all of these next generation games on a 720p 27 inch TV. And so I started researching just to kind of future proof and, you know, preemptively plan for getting the best bang for my buck, but also the best gaming experience possible. Uh, what's the deal with this whole HDMI 2.1 stuff, you know, with TVs moving forward and how uh, to get the best picture, that's what you need. So I was like, you know what? Um, I can't honestly afford to just drop $800 to get a new TV, but going back to the collecting stuff, what can I possibly get rid of to help fund that? And so I sold those five games and, uh, you know, they're, they're sold now. I already shipped the games off uh, on eBay. So I'll, I'll go ahead and just rattle off what I ended up getting for these games because I just, maybe it's a call out to other people. You know, if you're sitting on these games and you don't want them anymore, maybe there's just a number of games in your collection. I mean, it's it's such a good time to sell right now because everyone and their brother wants to play video games. We're all holed up on our um, in our homes trying to do our best, you know, not go outdoors with COVID spreading like wildfire. And so why not buy the games that you've been wanting to get for years or sell the ones that you haven't played in years and don't plan to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get it. Um, so how much so, did you get for them? So Ease, Oath, and Felgana, I got $220. Um, these are shit. all games that I started bidding at uh, like around 20 to $30 or 40 to 50 for some of them just because um, eBay has an interesting... I haven't sold on eBay in like eight years, but now when you search for a game that you want to sell... It, if you're going to do a bidding process versus buy it now, it suggests a starting bidding price based on uh, what that game has been selling for for the past couple of months. So oh, Oath that's and, cool. That's handy. It, it, it's really nice. Very handy indeed. Uh, you don't have to do a ton of research to figure out. Like If you are completely um, unaware of what these games are going for, it's a nice feature to kind of um, set yourself up for success as a seller. And so Oath and Felgana Did you got offer... Uh, did you offer a buy it now? Or I did, did you just full bid? I, I had a um I, I had bids up and then best offer as well. So if someone were to say like, Hey, I'll take these all three of these games, all three of these ease games off of your hands for six hundred dollars, um you know, I entertained those options, but people that were bidding or people that sent me offers were like really low ball offers. Um, and mm. I did a lot of research to see completed listings, like what these games have been selling for over the past, you know, six to eight months. And that really drove the idea that like, I'm not going to settle for, for less than what I think these games are worth, uh, okay. because I, I'm not in a rush to get rid of them. It's more just an opportunity to, um, upgrade my TV, you know, and hopefully yeah. give these games a new, uh, home. And so again, Oath and Felgana went for two twenty. E seven went for hundred and thirty. Uh, this is the one that fascinates me. E's Chronicles one and two. So, little history here. This was the last game in that trilogy of E's games that I bought on the PSP. And probably about eight nine years ago, I was in the Atlanta airport traveling with my uh, my dad and my sister. We were coming back from vacation, 
And you know how in airports they sometimes have those electronics kiosk type stores where you go in, you can get Bose headphones or whatever, you know, just random little doodads that you might need when traveling technology wise. And so I walk in there and they had this little tiny shelf of video games. And lo and behold, they had the premium edition of Ease Chronicles 1 and 2 sealed for $14.99. Not that it like retailed at the time when it first launched for a whole lot more than that, maybe 40, 50, 60 bucks. But when I saw it for 15, I'm like, this is an absolute no brainer. Of course, I'm going to buy this. And then eight years later, I sold it for $180. Wow. At least that's what it ended up so going for. What, what were your expectations price-wise? Are these all above your expect or expected price? Yeah, so when I listed them, I I kind of prepared myself in my mind that if someone sends me an offer, um, because I knew these were going to get a lot of attention because I was looking at the ones that were currently listed and there weren't a whole lot of them. So, And of course, with eBay, you can set alerts for certain games that you're after. So like I've had... Uh, Muppets Monster Adventure or whatever that you know um, Halloween PS1 game is I anytime that game goes up on eBay I get an email notification and so similarly I knew people have these games on alert and it would get a lot of attention and they did so I knew that I had to be prepared that if I was getting a lot of offers for these I had to have a price range of what I was going to accept those offers for and so for Ease Oath and Felgana I said I wanted 160 to 180 and I got 220 for it Okay, um, nice. E7, my box was a little uh, in rough shape. So I said, I want anywhere from 1 to 120 for this. And I got 130. Ease um, mm. Chronicles 1 and 2 was kind of the similar price range to Ease Oath and Felgana. I wanted like mm, kind of 150 to 170, and I got 180. Trails in the Sky, similar to E7, I wanted like 115 to 130, and I got 130 for it. Uh, Drill Dozer, I wanted 60 to 70, and I got 102. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I for really, the other ones, besides the dozer, you're pretty close to what you, I mean, your research showed to what you got, which is good. Yeah, and with bidding, but, you just never really know how things are going to play out. Um, and I'm not, I'm not even afraid to admit this, too. So I actually had Lauren create an eBay account and bid some of these things up towards the tail end <laughs> just to see if uh, if people would outbid her. And they did, you know? It was crazy. Um, but I was just trying to... I wasn't trying to resell anything, you know? It wasn't like I bought these with the intention of selling. I I played, I beat all of these games. I enjoyed them for 8, 10 years, and it was just time to, uh, you know, pass the baton, allow someone else to enjoy them. So I'm glad, and I hope, you know, I, I messaged each individual person that bought these games, and I kind of just sent them a personal note to say, like, I really enjoyed Ease, Oath, and Falgana because of this. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's going to a good home. And, and everyone was met, uh, everyone met those uh, you know, notes with great reception and everyone replied just, you know, saying that they're a big fan of RPGs and they're really looking forward to add this game to their collection. So it, it gave me a lot of hope that they were going to a good home. And, and honestly, it's it made like me... The, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's like Toy Story 3, kind of uh, the last play of the game and just sending them off to a new home. It is. Yeah, no, and I, it definitely instills a lot of hope in me that they are going to get, going to a good home. And and it made me take another look at my shelf to see, like, okay, what else has been sitting here for the better part of a decade that I'm never going to play again or really have no desire to play in the next few years? Um, because I don't want the game room to become cluttered. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have that singular big game shelf, and I have two smaller ones 
one with my Nintendo stuff. The other one is kind of what I consider the Rusty's relics, uh, the things that mean the most to me in my collection. Um, and I kind of wanted to keep it that way. You know, if if it starts to get a little cluttered and I can't fit all the games on the shelf, well, then let's take an honest look at the shelf and what can go, you know, to make room for the things I need, I really want. So um, that's my whole little spiel about collecting. Uh, I'm, I'm always so curious to hear where other people are at. So definitely opening the floor for more discussion in the Discord. Um, if you're not in the Discord, you absolutely should be. Click the link in the show notes. <laughs> Um, but you know, just in response to Blink's video, I just, I wanted to talk about it and it definitely caused me to take a second look at, um, my collection to see, you know, what can go. And again, all of that to say too, I ended up buying a, uh, 2020 Samsung OLED TV with the 2.1 HDMI. Um, it's a 55 inch, so it sits pretty snug in the game room, but, uh, definitely was well worth the purchase. Uh, to play some of these next generation games on. And and it's something that, you know, I have a three-year warranty on. I expect it to last pretty much the next five to eight years. My other Samsung downstairs that Lauren and I bought when we first married, or got married, um, and I bought that in 2017, and it's still running like a champ. So um, I'm, I'm one of those people that when I, bu- when I buy a TV, I'm hoping it lasts me like a decade. You know, I'm not planning on... Yeah. Because um, they're expensive. Ho- so Yeah, hopefully it lasts longer than the uh, laptop. Here's hoping, right? Here's yeah. hoping. All right, Ryan, I think we've talked enough about my collecting habits and how they've changed. What I do want to hear about, and I'm sure all of the listeners are very anxious to hear our impressions, how about you walk me through your, not your PS5 buying experience, because we already kind of know about that, but just the anxiety of waiting to see if Amazon was going to fulfill your order. How did all that play out? I think... Uh- at this point, I was like a week after you got it. I think it was about the time frame. Um, it was extremely stressful. I was I'm, I was trying not to spoil anything online for Spider-Man or for Demon Souls bosses or final bosses. But after a week, I mean, after the first day, people have beaten the game. Yeah. So it was it was killing me. I was watching some of the PvP for Demon Souls, but overall. Once the stuff about FedEx in the UK came out of switching out cat food or George Foreman's, I was I was freaking out. It was hard to sleep at night. Um, and then it came, or initially it was for Thursday, which was Thanksgiving. And then it said Wednesday, I think Sunday night. Ended up coming Tuesday. Mm. Um, so I, I went over to the parents on Wednesday, worked from their place, and picked it up. I didn't open the box. I just saw when I pulled it out of the container, it was a PS5 box. So I was happy. It was still pretty heavy. And then later in the afternoon, I opened it up, opened it up, plugged it in before my last meeting, booting it up while I was talking to one of my suppliers and uh, trying to figure out my PSN code or to put that onto the PS5. But when I saw it, it was a PS5, I was extremely happy. <laughs> I bet you were. So when you unboxed it, I guess one of the things that everyone was talking about, certainly when it was first revealed, uh, when the one of the head guys at Sony was unboxing it and re- literally taking the entire PS5 apart, everyone was making comments about the, the PS5 size. So what were your thoughts when you actually had a chance to see it firsthand? Did you think it was... As big as people were making it out to be, uh, too big, about you know just right. What, what were your thoughts? 
Uh, I just stood up to uh, look at it, and it is massive. There, there's no getting around it. It is a really tall freaking console. But it, it's got some sexy curves to it, mm. which is what I stayed for. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to fit into any system that I currently have. Um, so it's just on the ground next to my TV and the dresser that my TV's on. But yeah, there, there's no getting around it. It's a, a really large console. It's a beefy boy. It, it runs, yeah. Definitely a lot bigger than my golden PS4, for sure. Yeah, when I first... What are your thoughts on the size? Yeah, so I mean, I um, just because at the time when I ordered it, I think Lauren and I were still... I think we were in the process of getting pre-approved. We didn't have the house yet or anything like that, but um, I wanted to make sure that I had the PS5 sent to a home and not like our one-bedroom apartment complex. So I had it sent to your parents' house. And so, man, what a two-for-one special. I showed up to your parents to pick up the PS5 that day, and I walk away with yeah. a PlayStation 5 console and uh, a Kingdom Hearts painting. So... Um, really lucked out there. But anyways... Yeah, I mean, whose birthday was it really? I mean, (laughs) Lorne was there as like a secondary, like, oh yeah, you're related to us, and I guess it's a year again, but like, Rusty, PS5 and a painting, how do you feel? Yeah, here's a pair of socks, Lorne, have fun. Yeah, really, we gave her like socks. Yeah. So... Um, Yeah, so I went home, and uh, you know, I unboxed it, of course, I got too excited, and I ripped the... So there's two parts to the PS5 box. There's the actual outer part that shows a picture of the system itself and says PS5. You kind of like pull that slip up and then you open up the actual box itself. So I got too excited. I thought those were one and the same. And I basically just completely tore through that outer slip cover. Oh, no. Um, Which... It's a nice slip cover, too. It is a nice slip cover. I think similar to the PlayStation 4 though like I literally threw my PS4 box away it was just it was lame there was no pizzazz or real design to it it was kind of ugly I don't know I think the allure of console boxes for me has gone a little bit of a way because with the N64 back in the day uh, and like the PS2 like on the back of it, it showed like a screenshot of like all of the launch titles and stuff like that. So it was really exciting yeah. to kind of have that. Um, however, what I will say is the Series X design, though, their box is slick as hell. I mean, it looks so, so yeah, nice. No, it's beautiful. I mean, opening up that was almost like the product packaging design of opening up like an iPod Nano back in like 2008 or whenever those things were still selling. Or a Zune. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, man, those Zunes. They're really doing well now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, PS5, you know, I got it out of the box, tore through the slipcover, and uh, yeah, no rhyme or, or no way going about it. It is a beefy, chunky boy, and uh, I still love it. I think it looks really slick, and I have it currently um, sitting vertically because I didn't expect my TV to be um the size that it is, so I couldn't use the other entertainment center stand that I had in the game room prior to this. I'm using a different one. Yeah. So I actually have the PS5 on like a stool, uh, stand like uh, standing vertically. And uh, the more I look at it, every time I boot it up, I just think it. I fall more and more in love with the design. You know. Yeah, it is unfortunate that it's a lot harder to customize the plates than originally thought. Oh, is it? Um, I don't know if you heard. Yeah. I, there was one company that was initially going to be customizing plates, but the issue is you have the front or the outside of the plates, but the inside of the plates also show for a portion of it. 
So decking those out is a little bit harder than initially thought. Mm, okay. I guess I didn't hear that. You'd almost have to do a dip or multiple layers, but you're going to have to... Because they prong into the PS5. Mm. Uh, so you have to get in between the prongs. I, I've seen it done really well. There was just like... I've seen a matte black done well, and then also like a matte kind of teal blue. Oh, okay. Like a dark teal blue. Um, looked awesome. But it, as far as quick... Um, like real mass production scale plates. I don't know if if Sony does it, I, I'll be happy. Or if they do, hey, this is an exclusive to this console release. It's thirty extra bucks for additional plates. I I think that would be cool. Yeah, I fully anticipate whether it's Sony or other third parties to uh, start creating plates. Uh, I'm in no rush to get rid of the white plates because I think they look really nice. Um, yeah. and I. I think the PS, the PlayStation consoles have been, um, at least their launch versions have always just been kind of a black chunky box going back to the PS2. So I'm glad they kind of yeah. switched things up to have this almost Avengers type, not Avengers, but like Tony Stark technology type piece of hardware that I think looks really slick, even if it's a giant tower in my game room. Uh, I love the hell out of it. So. Getting out of the you know aesthetically pleasing side of things, what were your thoughts when you first booted it up from like a UI perspective? Like going through the menu systems, clicking things around, the home screen, the startup noise. Overall, where are you at with all of that good stuff? It was definitely a learning curve coming off the PS4. Uh, the PS4 is basically just a line, and then you have an upper kind of settings and... Um, your friends list and things but the main line is all of your games basically your video music and stuff but this one has like multiple screens to it which kind of confused me at first um to get to just sign out of the game it's not you just hold down the home button and then it brings up a list of do you want to shut down a rest you have to tap it brings up a bottom menu instead of the top menu a little bit different um, but after working with it, I mean, it, it's not too big of a change, nothing crazy. Um, taking pictures is a little bit different. Um, it, when you hold, I don't know if how, I can't remember how it was cause I don't take a ton of pictures on the PS4, but I think you just click the button. It takes a picture right on the PS4. Yeah. So there's that options or share button on the PS4 controller uh, on the top left, that little tiny button, yeah. you select that and that kind of brings up the capture menu. I think that's probably one of my one of the most like notable uh, improvements for me because I do take like a shit ton of photos when I'm playing the PlayStation. Um, I did on PS4 and I'm doing even more so on the 5 when I was playing Miles Morales and even Spidey Remastered and certainly Astro's Playroom. I was taking screenshots like nobody's business uh, and I feel like that is just so much more responsive and I think that's probably the biggest highlight of the UI is like the home screen navigating it feels really responsive quick and seamless uh what mm -hmm. i think was the most distracting for me and you kind of already hit on it is that i've been doing it for what five years at this point like holding the home screen and being able to put the console into rest mode or close the application i mean i've been playing the ps5 for what two weeks now and i keep doing that i keep holding down the center playstation button thinking i can do that but you're right, you have to just hit it 
and then it brings up this menu within your game that you go down to, and then there's a power button on the far right uh, that you can go to. So I just feel like you have to go through too many hoops compared to what you did in the PS4. Yeah. It almost seems like a step back in that regard. So that's a little frustrating. Me being a big trophy guy, I know Greg from Kind of Funny had this gripe as well. When you hit that uh, PlayStation Home button, not hold it, just press it when you're in a game, it brings up this new card system, and these are meant to be yeah. like tips and tricks for games. If you're looking to complete a certain objective, it'll give you a time frame, ballpark, how long it's going to take. It'll play like a little video for you if you want a little tutorial as to how to complete that objective. Honestly, I don't care about the card system at all. I haven't utilized it once. If anything, it just seems like it's kind of gets in the way of the things I want to see. And maybe this What do you want to see? My trophies, bro. <laughs> no, I mean like I see those cuz I've looked at the cards for Demon Souls because it has total number of rings, total number of uh spells and uh miracles. So I I've looked and to see my progression, which I think is cool. Um, well, I think that's... Do you know if you're in the game, if you click the home menu and go down, does it show you similar to the PS4? I haven't tested that out yet. What do you mean? Because before on the PS4, when you're in the game, you could click the home button. It would take you to the home menu and you'd be on the game. And then below the game, if you hovered over it, it would show you number of people online currently streaming mm. all the trophies that you have, like percentage complete to total number, and then like friends who have it. Do you know if it still shows that? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I think ultimately it goes back to my comments about trying to turn the system off or set it in rest mode. I just feel like I have to press more buttons than I used to to see the things I want to see, whether it's who's online. What's my trophy listing at? How do I turn off the console? I just feel like I have to press more buttons than I previously did. And I fully expect, you know, in a future system update, they're going to listen. They're going to hear what people are, you know, uh, the common complaints about the UI. And they're going to create kind of fixes for that. I also think they're eventually going to have some type of customizable, uh, customizable feature. C customizable. Yeah, uh, to that card system. Because right now... And, and maybe this is something that I, I can do, I just didn't know that I have the ability to do it, is that it'll sometimes track towards a trophy that I'm, whether intentionally or unintentionally working towards, it'll show me that, but it doesn't show me the trophy that I really want to try and get. And so it just kind of randomly throws certain trophies up there. And so I want to be able to track towards specific yeah. ones. And I don't want to have to go through, because right now the way I get to my trophies is I press the center button i go down to my profile it takes me out of the game and then i go to trophies and then it opens up the trophy menu and i see it and i want to just be able to hit this the the playstation button and see some type of trophy indication and go right into that and find a trophy that i want to track towards and then track towards that progression or that objective or whatever it ends up being i'm sure i'm sure there's a way to do that we just haven't found it out yet yeah so i mean they're all minor gripes in the grander scheme of things but and they're all things that i think are fixable it's nothing game breaking it's nothing that's ruining my experience but i think it's important to bring up the annoyances the gripes the things that are you know um because it's not perfect you know and no, no console is going to yeah. be perfect at launch uh but it definitely just shows that 
there's definitely some things that PlayStation and Sony can be working on, and I'm sure uh, there's already efforts underway with a lot of this stuff. And uh, speaking of trophies, the one thing to Blank mentioned this in his um, his stream maybe last week is that I feel like the trophy unlock noise is just kind of underwhelming, a little uninspired. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I guess I haven't even noticed it. I didn't realize because before it was such a loud. I, I think they almost toned down the volume of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a testament to. A lot of people's thoughts that care about trophies is exactly what you just said. I didn't even notice it, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas previously on the PS3 and PS4, it just had this very distinct unlock noise, and I just kind of yeah. feel like that's lost. It almost just sounds like someone's flipping on a light switch or something like that, and I, that kind of ruins that dopamine release that you typically get when you either get a platinum trophy, bronze, silver, or gold. And uh, I doubt that's gonna change you know I, I don't see them completely overhauling a trophy unlock noise but um i mean it in no way is disrupting my enjoyment of trophy hunting but the unlock noise is definitely uh, a little uninspired to me i was gonna say maybe that now you can focus on the gameplay instead of the trophies and enjoy it no that that doesn't really sound like a good time to me Oh, okay. Yeah, games suck. Only trophies matter. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So, I mean, you were saying that nothing's perfect, but I, I think there is one thing that's perfect about the PS5, which is Astro's Playroom. Hell yeah, it is, man. What are your thoughts about Astro's Playroom? <laughs> oh, okay, so when I loaded it up or booted it up um, during my meeting, um, I, I couldn't download uh, Demon Souls because the Wi-Fi at my parents' They have it like 25 feet away, so it just wasn't picking up super well, and their internet's not the best. So I ended up, I couldn't do that, so I started Astro's Playroom, and it, it's amazing. Mm. I It's one of the happiest games, and you're, you're collecting towards kind of this send-off of the last four generations of the console into this final generation and i've only gone through one world so far i played a little bit when you showed me when i think i was dropping off something at your place um but yeah it, it's it's awesome it, it's just it's so happy and it's a platformer and they've got all these cool mechanics and it, it's the way you were saying, it wasn't just a tech demo, and I completely agree. Yeah. It does show off the tech really well of the controller, and the controller's just holy shit. But, yeah, it's a great game in itself. Well, I think everyone kind of thought of Astro's Playroom, whether you were buying the PS5 or not, that like, oh, that's just one of those pack-in games that's sole purpose is to just show off the technology of the controller. And the word everyone was tossing around was tech demo, but... I think even to call this game a glorified tech demo is doing a complete disservice to it. I, I think yeah. this game is not only a competent 3D platformer, but I honestly believe today and even console generations from now, we're going to look back at this as being one of the single greatest launch titles of all time. And I'm not saying it's better than a game like Super Mario World or Mario 64, Halo, or um, you know, even Wii Sports on the Wii when that came out and how revolutionary it was. But what this game does to display the PS5 technology, particularly, again, the DualSense controller, the haptic feedback, all of that good stuff, um, 
is great, but even more so, like how it celebrates the complete history of PlayStation up to this point. This is something no company has done before, at least not this well. And, you know, I played it beginning to end. I got the platinum trophy. I've since just like almost like lost sleep thinking about it. I mean, it is just a magical experience that's fueled with so much nostalgia that at times like I was literally tearing up. Like I felt like I was literally reliving parts of my childhood going through these levels and seeing all of these nods to games that I played growing up. But, but even more so now, like even into my adult life, seeing Easter eggs that are little subtle nods to The Last of Us, Uncharted, Tomb Raider, and, and these Easter eggs are littered across these levels. I mean, it's just a tsunami of intricate love for PlayStation that I cannot praise the developers enough for. And it's one of those things that I'll make the Wii Sports comparison. When you talked about the Wii when it first came out and you told your friends, like, no, you don't understand... When you play Wii Bowling, when you play Wii Golf, and you move the controller, your character on screen replicates the reaction and the motion of your Wiimote. And it's kind of one of those things that you're like, you're, you're a crazy person. There's no way it does that. Or the 3DS when it first came out. It's like, no, you don't understand. When you play, um, what's the name of the game? Um, oh, fuck. I forgot the Pilot Wings Resort on the 3DS. It's like, you know, you don't understand. You actually see the 3D technology, and it's something that you can't really explain to someone. It's just something that you have to experience. And I cannot say that enough about Astro's Playroom and how it makes use of the haptic feedback and everything that the DualSense controller can do. It's on another level of crazy, so much so that I remember you know, playing it, getting to the boot screen, and it kind of walks you through what the controller is capable of right when you start the game. And when it, the first time it tells you to hold the triggers down and use the haptic feedback, I, I mean, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. Like, I got chills how crazy it was. I put the controller down and I yeah. screamed for Lauren to come in. I'm like, you don't understand. You have to sit down. Sit down right now. And I backed out of the screen. I'm like, okay, go through these next few screens and wait until you get to the haptic feedback. She almost dropped the controller. Because she just couldn't believe what was happening. And it's it's mind-boggling technology to me. And it excites me so much playing through Astro's Playroom. You know, there's times where you're using a bow and arrow or you're in this little rocket suit propelling yourself up and you you sense the, 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 um, the effort the triggers are putting back on you as the player. And it just excites me so much about the future of first-party games and, you know, praying and hoping that third parties will also make use of this technology. But even if third parties, after a few years, are just like, forget it. We're just making one singular game. We're releasing it on PC, Series X, and PlayStation 5. You guys can just deal with it. I hope people like Gorilla making games like Horizon, Santa Monica Studios making God of War, Naughty Dog, and whatever future games they're making continue to make use of this because... When we talk about games like Skyrim or Uncharted or Last of Us or these big open world games like Horizon or Fallout, we always come back to the world or the word immersion and pitting yourself in a world, yeah. forgetting about the outside world and just getting lost in these games and these worlds. And I think that this controller has a, uh, the opportunity to make you feel more a part of these worlds than ever before. And 
All of this sounds probably crazy and hyperbolic if you haven't used this controller, if you haven't played Astro's Playroom or Demon Souls or Miles Morales, but I can say definitively that I have zero regrets purchasing the console because these games are coming out on PS4 and PS5. That controller alone and Astro's Playroom make that $530 purchase, man, zero regrets. Yeah, I ended up similar to what you did with Lauren bringing her to feel the controller. When my dad got home, I I just felt some of the rain falling on Astro and you can feel, I mean, besides the physical sensation of feeling wet, like actual water falling on you, you feel like you're being hit by raindrops when you're holding the controller. Like you feel every individual drop and it's it's such a weird feeling. Um from that and then going into sand where you actually feel it squishing down and that a different kind of grainy feel compared to when you're walking on metal or grass. Mm, mm-hmm. It's just, I, I'm really excited to see where they go with that. Um, it, it's been a few days since I played Demon Souls, so I can't really speak to how they use it for sword play, but... I, I've definitely felt felt more immersed mm, mm-hmm. in some of like the swampier areas and feeling just those textures. It's it's really weird coming out of the PS4, and it's it's such a leap in technology, like you said. Um, so yeah, it, it's really exciting. I, I I hope maybe midway through the generation for Xbox, they get something similar for their tech so they can experience it as well that'd be awesome yeah i mean i when we talk about controllers you know the xbox 360 is still a standout probably top two or three for me um that controller just fits so nicely in your hands and um i mean gosh i i hardly played the ps3 that generation 360 was my jam um and i've heard the xbox one controller is even better so if they could somehow in the next few years implement something like that especially with purchasing Bethesda and if those games are meant to be exclusive moving forward and your Elder Scrolls 6 and Fallout's moving forward in Starfield oh my goodness man yeah it, it would be a real shame to not be able to play something like Skyrim though and have that dual sense you know I guess we have the horizons and stuff like that of the world um but yeah it's a really cool piece of tech I hope it isn't going to just become a launch window gimmick because even the 3DS you know years down the line um, the 3D technology wasn't even implemented in the games that they were making anymore. Uh, there were, f- I mean, they came out with a 2D version of it too. So yeah, I mean, for the it really wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a priority anymore. And I just hope that uh, moving forward, it remains uh, top of mind priority for first party developers and even third party developers to just have fun with ways that they can make their game more immersive. It's it's just something really special. But I do want to go back to Astro's Playroom. So. I guess how far are you right now in the uh, the game? Because it's kind of segmented into to four main levels, right? Yeah. So I beat one full quadrant, and I was trying to 100% complete that. So I'm probably 90% of the way through finalizing that. I just want to collect everything that I can, and then I started the second. Uh, the let's see, how far did I get? I think I started a second one and got more than halfway through that um the more water area and then i did the jungle area at your place so gotcha i i went through the first level of the jungle at my place okay okay 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you think of it once you kind of complete everything, because I don't think this is really spoiling anything, and I won't go into the finer details of it all, but how Astro's Playroom is set up, and I didn't really think about it when I booted up the game, Astro's Playroom, like what they meant by that. Um, yeah. But as you're going through all these levels, you're not only collecting puzzle pieces, but you're collecting artifacts. And when you think about PlayStation, my comments earlier about celebrating the history of PlayStation in general, um, you can probably kind of surmise what those artifacts end up being and then them being on display in this separate room in the game that you can go to and interacting with that playroom. I I mean, it's almost like, kind of like you said, mentioned in Toy Story 3 when Andy's giving away his toys and he has that final moment with them it really feels like you're going into an old toy box of yours as a kid and just pulling everything out and reliving, you know, a part of your childhood. And so I can't wait till you get to experience that, but then also other people um, in our Discord and just PlayStation fans in general, because it's it's, it's magical, it's special, whatever word you want to use, but it's, um, my gosh, I, I, it's a game that I'm going to continue to go back to for years because as you said, it's just such a happy game. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal for being free. I mean, for low expectations, free is generally where I start, but it's a game that I think at least holds the price tag worth of $60. Oh, easy. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I would have paid for it for sure as a launch title, but heck, if you're going to download it for me, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, no, I would have definitely played, uh, paid 50 60 <sighs> Honestly, I probably would have even gone up above uh, and played the $70 price tag instead of uh, getting Sackboy if it was a game that you had to pay for at launch. But we'll get to Sackboy in a minute, Ryan. I do actually want to hear your thoughts about Demon Souls. Oh, God. I, I love Demon Souls. Um, it's a lot different paced than Dark Souls 3, which I spend a lot of my time in. Um, even some of the streamers are saying, I mean... It's the first game in the whole, f- I mean, besides the first one, it's kind of what started Demon Souls to begin with. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the mechanics that you have in the the most recent game aren't there, but as far as gameplay, I'm really liking it. It's, f- what, five more worlds to kind of explore. Um, I had played a bit of it on the PS3 in the week that my ps5 was delayed but um it didn't really spoil anything it's just really more the contrast of that first playthrough and trying to figure out stuff and then seeing it now in what hdr um having the new controller it's surreal um i ended up before i went up to my roommates i i got the moonlight greatsword which is what i have in the logo of the Otaku Brothers, my favorite sword, and it is just freaking beautiful. It has like swirling magic coming up the blade, and oh my god, it just looks so good. Now, after this, I'm going to get back to it. W- okay, so like one of the things that I remember when we first saw like the trailer be- before the game released, at least for me personally, I always talked about there being like an inherent level of jankness to the the Soulsborne games. So do you feel like this still retains some of that, or do you feel like this looks too good for its own good? Yeah, I mean, the graphics I mean, the graphics are amazing. I don't think there's a level of jank to the graphics. 
it's more of a jank level to the mechanics because Bluepoint decided to keep the game in its original state, glitches and all. So I think the speed run right now is going for about 18 minutes. For the entire game, you can beat in 18 minutes. Wow. Because there is like a duplication of souls to get like infinite luck. But I think that retains some of the glory of, hey, this is the first OG Souls game that kind of kicked off, uh, what, a, te- a close to 10-year franchise? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm happy with it being somewhat glitchy. Um, they had some improvements to seeing your durability on your swords. Um, you can roll in multiple directions opposed to, I think, just four previously. Um, some of the UI is made a lot better, especially putting things away. Um, so there's a weight mechanic in this game where you only have a s- certain amount of inventory space or weight that you can carry around for items. Mm-hmm. Previously, you'd have to leave those items on the ground in PS3 game, but now you can just send it right to your bank. Oh, okay. Nice. So yeah, instead of just dropping or getting rid of stuff or potentially losing out on items, it's, it's really handy. Um... Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird mechanics that people coming out of the Souls games will either be hit or miss. There's the world tendency, which I'm still trying to figure out. Um, So it goes from a scale from pure white to pure black. And on each far end of the spectrum, there's different kind of quests that you can do. So you start out like each world has its own world tendency. You start out at like a neutral state and by killing bosses, you go closer to the white and then going closer by killing NPCs or being evil, you go closer to the black. Mm, Okay. And then the more closer to black you get, the harder the game is. I think you get penalties to your HP. So it's it's pretty different. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, you know, I haven't played Demon Souls yet. It's the one launch game that I, that I bought that I just haven't gotten around to playing. Um, and I don't really know why. I, I think, you know, I hit like a a launch window wall, if you will, where, you know, I played the heck out of, <clears throat> excuse me, Astro's Playroom. I played Miles Morales, as we'll get to here shortly, uh, quite a bit. Played a little bit of Sackboy and Bug Snacks. And then I went back to uh, Ghost of Tsushima, actually, which I don't know if you want to get to right now. Um, but I, I do want to get around to Demon Souls. Maybe it's something that over the Christmas holiday season break type of thing I'll get into. Um, I don't know. It's just hasn't really hit me that like, I really want to get into a souls game right now. Um, so yeah, we'll see, but I'm glad that you're enjoying no, it. Yeah, no, I completely get that. Um, I, I think it's a game that I'll keep going back to um, and exploring because there's so many different worlds and different, I mean, with the world tendency, so in the first world that I was exploring, um, you can get the best armor, the highest defense armor in the game within the first bonfire. Mm-hmm. So that bonfire going up to the, the first boss is where the best armor of the game is. Um, but the problem is you have to have pure white world tendency. So on that bridge off to the left, there's a, a staircase down to a locked gate. And the only way to get that gate to open is pure white tendency. Interesting. So, yeah. So it's you're gonna have to finagle around 
all of those mechanics to try to understand like different rings show up in different places there's a locked door that blue point had put in similar to shadow of the colossus where they had that giant like locked door that they put in the remake mm, yeah there's a locked door in this game as well which um over i think the course of a week the internet banded together to figure out how you open that door which is pretty cool okay yeah i did hear about that that's interesting yeah but to open the gate you have to if you beat the first boss and then go to the second boss and then kill the dragon on the bridge then that'll give you pure white tendency and then you can get that armor right away so that's the one i have so the real reason I actually didn't play Demon Souls is because I wanted to just wait for you to have all the fun secrets that you could just kind of spill the beans for me and uh, help my playthrough be a little bit easier and less painful. Yeah, there's no way I would have figured that out without like, hey, how the fuck do I kill this dragon? <laughs> and just like sitting there and screwing up. So I spent like 20 minutes killing the dragon on the ridge with the like blue and red dragon. And I tried to kill the red dragon he flew away at like two or three hits left and I didn't get the kill. So I had to go backtrack all the way through, see him on the bridge and he has like a continuous loop and I had took another like hour to kill him that way. Wow. Yeah, I was committed and Rick and Ben were wanting to play Monster Hunter at that point. So I was like, trying to kill a dragon. I failed completely. Just give it, let me do my thing. But, yeah, it's one of the games that I was most excited to play. Um, the other one being Spider-Man, which you actually played through, right? I did, yeah. So I'll keep my impressions um, definitely spoiler-free until, of course, Ryan finishes it, and then we can have a spoiler-filled discussion. Um, you know, Spider-Man 2018, I didn't play it until last year, uh, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. When Ryan and I did our top ten games of the decade, I think it ranked... Um, in the back five of my top 10. So it was among my top 10 games of the decade. And it, it was one of the most just fun games that I have played in, in quite some time. Of course, dating back to my love of Spider-Man 2 that came out on the PlayStation 2. And Spider-Man did everything that game did uh, to the nth degree. You know, took everything to the next level. And it was just such a great story that Insomniac penned. And so coming into Miles Morales, I definitely had high expectations from all the trailers that we'd seen and you know the write-ups that I had read it sounded like it was gonna pretty much meet my expectations and you know having played through it I think I finished it in about two to three days I think it exceeded my expectations you know um good it's definitely a different game than Spider-Man uh you know everyone was kind of saying or complaining that this is just gonna be similar to Lost Legacy the Uncharted game that followed Uncharted 4 uh, you know, it wasn't going to be worth the price tag of 50 because it was just going to be a shorter experience. Um, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I agree with the fact that it's a shorter game. I think I, I hundred percented it in about 17 to 18 hours. Um, I'm still like four trophies away from getting the platinum. So I have a little bit more grinding to do in that because one of the trophies actually does require a new game plus playthrough. Um, but once you have all your powers and skill tree upgraded and all the suits and all that good stuff, um, you can probably beeline the story in about three hours. Um, but again, I did all the side quests, all the extra stuff, and it took me about 17 to 18. But I think what I appreciated about Miles Morales most, and I didn't, I didn't really have this context until I, until I started playing Spider-Man Remastered here recently, um, Yes, the story is more succinct. 
Uh, but I feel like the story beat moments, the ones that really kind of hit you in the feels were just as memorable and in some cases more impactful for me than most of the stuff we experienced in the first Spider-Man. It's just they come at you faster and quicker and just in, in greater abundance, if you will. All right. There's not as many of them because the game's not as long, but I think the combat in Miles Morales is so much better than Spider-Man. So I don't want to go too into the details of it, but you eventually get this this power that uh, Miles and his buddy call Venom Power, and it's kind of what you've seen debuted in trailers. It's kind of this electricity type stuff that just makes combat so much more chaotic and fun uh, when compared to Spider-Man's kind of base powers if you will that you had uh in spidey 2018 so i think that just adds a different flavor to the game and different flavor to the combat that makes it more fun um and his story i just enjoyed quite a bit more than spider-man's um him as a character i just i don't know i just think he's a i don't want to say a better protagonist but i had more fun with him and friend of the show actually nintai i i think he kind of said it best certainly better than my rambling uh, and coherently here, he put this in the Discord, and I ended up copying and pasting it into my show notes here. He said, I'd say Miles is a better game than Spider-Man 2018 for me. Tighter experience, story is not as good, but still great. Better protagonist and more flexible combat, which I agree completely. Um, you know, I don't want to go go on too long with my thoughts on it without trying to, with tiptoeing around the story stuff. Um but yeah, I, I would agree. I think it, it is a tighter experience. The story maybe not as good, uh, but again, I didn't have the perspective fully until I went and played Spider-Man Re- Remastered, and I'm like, damn, this game is just not really respectful of your time. Like, there's just so much to collect, and I understand that they they pump that stuff out um, sporadically over the course of the entirety of the game, so it doesn't feel overwhelming when they say hey, here are all these backpacks. Hey, here are all these radio towers. Because you basically have two to three different things you're trying to collect at any given time. And then once you complete a certain story mission, further uh, collectibles unlock. And there's just a lot less of that in Miles Morales. But even the stuff in Spidey Remastered, or just Spider-Man 2018, when you go and talk to Dr. Octavius, like I just feel like all of that stuff really slows things down. Whereas Miles, like as soon as you click go, I mean you are going for the entirety of that five to eight hour main story, and you don't really ever stop. And so I kind of appreciate that. And if God of War Ragnarok is that same level of um, pacing, I think I kind of appreciate it because while I think it makes sense for the first reboot God of War to really establish that relationship between Kratos and Atreus, between the many um, canoe trips from place to place and the stories that they exchange and the 30-hour adventure that that game takes you on makes sense in a similar way that Spider-Man needed to establish him and MJ's relationship, how Spidey's had these powers and this responsibility for a number of years, where Miles and his dad play into that story, the number of different villains that some of which show up in Miles and will probably show up in spider-man 2 whatever that game ends up becoming but i like how we do kind of take this step back a bit uh from the grander adventure and just say hey here's kind of a tighter experience for you that i think is just as fun and just as enjoyable to play as or play through so um you know i'll I'll kind of pause there i'm curious you know for the 
the hour or two that you've played of Miles, like what are your thoughts about it so far? I haven't actually played a full hour. I played the first opening kind of interaction and main fight, um, maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes or so, and I've really liked it so far. The Venom kind of bioelectricity spin on it was really cool. Um, a lot of the camaraderie uh, between characters at the beginning was awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Do you, do you feel like it builds out the original kind of Spider-Verse, or I don't know if we can call it Spider-Verse yet, but kind of the world that's been established in the 18 game, do you feel like it grows that universe? I think so. I mean, I don't know if it does anything to significantly extend it or build upon it necessarily um, outside of just telling like Miles really coming into his own as Spider-Man because him in this game, I think it's a year after the events of the original Spider-Man or Spider-Man 2018. So he's had his powers for a while, um, but there's still that kind of uh, freshman year type Spider-Man mentality where he's coming into his own learning how to protect the city, the stress and anxiety of, you know, the balancing act of I'm Miles Morales, but I'm also Spider-Man. So how do I live this double life with my family, my mom, my friends, and the responsibility of protecting New York City? And so I think that's done really, really well. Um, But yeah, in terms of like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say in the time that I've been playing, I, I was definitely seeing that it was uh, kind of playing the Spider-Man role off of, I mean, talking to his mom and making up excuses on why he's uh, not back from the grocery store. Yeah, exactly. Because they're, I think you, they're out of like cream cheese or something. So he's going around town as, as he's fighting this villain, which is pretty entertaining. It really gives me the Into the Spider-Verse vibes. Uh, especially with the music oh too, the R&B feel compared to... I, when you get into the open world to start that first, like, hey, go here. And they have a bass drop into some like R&B rap kind of stuff. It, it was a really cool feel. Definitely good swinging music. Yeah, no, that's really compliments um, just swinging around the city. And I don't really think they have that type of music playing when... I mean, certainly not the R&B hip-hop type stuff when when Peter's swinging around in the original Spider-Man. Um, but it's I love how it automatically kind of starts playing as soon as you, like, jump off the ground and start swinging. It's just, it's a really neat little yeah. touch. Um, so, yeah, I would say the music is definitely a major highlight in the game. It's, it's so good. And really the first moment from title screen and how it seamlessly, kind of like God of War does when you press start and then Kratos just starts chopping the hell out of a tree... Similar to that, Miles Morales goes right into the game where he's in a um, a subway station, and the music that plays when he has his headphones on, it's just, uh, it's so good. You know, I won't go into it too much because I don't want to spoil it for people, but um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, def- definitely use headphones for this because there's a distinct when he's taking on, putting on and taking off his headphones, you can really hear the difference between the mm-hmm. two. Uh, it's a cool kind of dynamic to the game for sure yeah yeah no i'm really i really liked it and i'm definitely looking forward to seeing where um you know insomniac takes the spider-man series moving forward it should be good stuff and uh, i definitely the way things wrap up i hope you don't have to wait too much longer 
Uh, but I suspect it'll probably be at least another two years before we get Spider-Man 2. Yeah, probably. Um, but outside of that, you know, I talked about Astro's Playroom and just being so in love with that. Um, I think purchasing Sackboy for me was maybe a mistake day one just because playing something like Astro's Playroom and then going into Sackboy, I think I talked to you about this, Ryan, um, I don't really alter the speed of podcasts when I listen to them, but I know some people will up the speed of a podcast from 1.0 speed to 2.0 speed. And using yeah. that analogy with Astro and Sackboy, I feel like Astro is always running at times two speed and going back to Sackboy, it's like, whoa, we really slow down. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because in terms of the level design, the music, it's cute as hell. I mean, everything that you'd want from a 3D platformer, I think, is well represented in Sackboy. It's just a lot slower when compared to something like Astro's. So I've only put like an hour into it. And uh, I mean, I was really impressed with the first couple levels that I played. Um, you know, the story sets itself up in usual kind of like there's a classic villain that wants to rule the world. And Sackboy has to go and kind of collect a bunch of stuff to fend off this evil villain type thing. Um, but it looks like there's going to be a great variety of level design and, um, the, the music in particular, like really struck me. And apparently listening to the Polykill podcast, uh, Blink was talking about it, you know, at great length. And it sounds like there's even licensed music in this game. So they oh. even get like, uh, Uptown Funk playing at one point in the game, which sounds <laughs> so uncharacteristic of a, a Sackboy platforming yeah. level, but I'm looking forward to seeing how they blend, licensed music into this uh, platformer that really plays very similarly to you know your Yoshi's Crafted Worlds, uh, Mario 3D World on the Wii U, things like that. Um, but I definitely think it adds its nice little spin. And again, Sackboy is just so damn cute. It's it's hard to, to deny his charm. So I'm looking forward to probably playing that also like later in the winter months. Um, you know, right now I, I'm kind of just playing through the Spider... Or not Spider-Man... Um, Oh, I am Spider-Man Remastered, but also the Spyro Remastered trilogy. Just kind of looking for some okay. comfort food stuff right now because I'm not really sure what I want to sink my teeth into next. But a couple other things that I've been playing, Ryan. Uh, the last, I guess, PS5 uh, specific game that I've been playing is a little game called Bug Snacks. So I think everyone was kind of confused what this game was going to end up becoming. Yeah. Um, and I would say it lives up to its crazy zany nature from the trailers that we've seen um i i wanted to look back because i remember a tweet uh from someone and i think it was one of the lead developers i couldn't find it but i did read an interview from the president at young horse games uh about what they drew inspiration from when developing bug snacks and so when creating it they drew inspiration from games like viva pinata pokemon snap Dark Cloud, Bioshock, and Ape Escape. Um, so I've played this game for probably two hours now, and from what I have played, um, I think it's pretty apparent that Viva Pinata, Pokemon Snap, and Ape Escape are well represented in terms of game design. Uh, haven't seen a whole lot of Bioshock and Dark Cloud type stuff yet, um, but uh, I don't even know what to make of this game. It is so strange and so weird, but I kind of love it. And I also think it's going to be a really big Ryan game. Really? I feel like this is... Yeah. I feel like this is something that's so up your alley. Um, largely because 
your love of Pokemon, obviously. That's no secret here. How's yeah. your shiny hunt going, by the way? Not that we really I, care, but I think I have 24 left still. It's been a while since I've paid attention. But yeah, okay. I'm, I'm almost there. Well, I, okay, I like how well, it's like, oh, hey, this is insane. It's the craziest game, like makes no sense. Ryan, sounds like you. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Cool. Well, I think, yeah. I think it's partly the Pokemon inspiration, but yeah. also... I mean, you're you're a comedic guy. You're funny, and I just think that you really get a kick out of the dialogue in this game. The writing is brilliant, and apparently, I haven't made it far enough yet. But it goes into some dark directions, like the way Blink was describing it on the Polykill podcast. Which, if you're not listening, you should absolutely check out the Polykill podcast and all shows under the Polykill network, including Indie Quest, a podcast all about indie games recorded by two friends of the show, Blinkoom and Josh Frantic. Anyways, he was talking about how at certain points in the story, these characters end up almost having like withdrawal symptoms of the bug snacks. And so they start having like crazy, I don't even know how to describe it, but they just have like withdrawal from the bug snacks and they start freaking out like, yo, man, like, I need my fix, I need my strawberry, <laughs> and I need my raspberry, and I need all these different bug snacks to cope with whatever addiction they have to bug snacks, I guess. And at some point, I'll get further into it, but um, I'm more curious to see, you know, your thoughts when you end up getting around to downloading this on uh, PlayStation Plus. Yeah, I do own it now. Uh, month's almost over, so I grabbed that one. But, yeah, I'll let you know when I play that. It'll probably be after Demon Souls and Spider-Man, but... Uh, That's fine. If it's up my alley, I'll definitely play it. Good stuff. Well, that's really the only PlayStation 5 impressions that I have. Um, I also have The Pathless on order, which uh, Austin Wintery, he, of course, composed Abzu, uh, Journey, and Erica, and Assassin's Creed Syndicate. A number of really great soundtracks, but he composed the soundtrack to this kind of Zelda, Eco, Shadow of the Colossus-inspired game that I'm very much looking forward to playing. So I was able to secure a physical copy through I Am 8-Bit, I believe. Um, this is a game that the second PlayStation 5 kind of con conference where they showcased a number of games, they showed this one, and it looked like a, I don't know, this kind of Zelda game that I'd really dig. And so I'm looking forward to getting that in the, I think, first or second week of December that's supposed to ship out. And that's apparently kind of the sleeper hit of the PS5 launch. So definitely don't sleep on the pathless. If you can't secure a physical copy, it sounds like it's well worth price of admission for the, the digital copy. So I'm looking forward to playing that. But outside of PS5 stuff, Ryan... Yeah, um, there's... Uh, I went, oh, there's one more. So outside of PS5, there's Hades is now on sale for $20 on the Switch store. Oh. So that's actually very cheap. Compared to what's currently, I think it was at like forty maybe previously. So pick that up. I think it's up for game of the year for a few different things. Um, so that's that's worth grabbing. Um, and then I'll do a shameless plug for Monster Hunter Rise, which is coming out in end of March. So that's up online nice. on Amazon as well. Good stuff. Yeah, I didn't know we were we were plugging the Monster Hunters, but yes. Hey, you ne you never know what to expect from Please Ryan. Love for get Monster, Monster Hunter. <laughs> we can help you get armor. We've got a clan. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Well, I went back to um, a little game called Ghost of Tsushima uh, last week. Yes. And 
you know, when I first played it, I, I talked about it, you know, a couple episodes back and how the world was just a bit overwhelming. Um, I struggle with games that are shrouded in fog and the more you explore the map, the more you're, you uncover that map because being a 3D platforming collectathon person, I feel a need and an absolute uh, desire to, you know, uncover the entirety of the map. And so I was trying to do all the side quests, find all the fox dens, go to every single nook and cranny of the map to make sure it was fully uncovered. And I didn't even finish act one of three because I just felt so bogged down with that desire to, to uncover everything and then complete every side mission. And so, um, you know, I put it on the back burner for months. And when I came back to it, I kind of told myself that I'm not going to worry about all of the side stuff. I just want to focus on Jin's story, the main protagonist. And I think after I was able to do that, I really was able to enjoy the game in its entirety. The The gameplay is so fast and so fluid and feels so good switching between those four different uh, samurai stances, depending on the enemies that you're fighting. Uh, Jin's story is one that I was actually very invested in um, going back to it. I, I actually switched, right, wrong, or indifferent, I switched from the Japanese voice acting to the English acting voice acting, um, which kind of helped me become more invested in it. Yeah. Um, just hearing the actual dialogue of these characters in English that I could actually understand as opposed to, to reading the subtitles. So I think because of that, I was a little bit more into it. And uh, there were just so many incredible moments in this game. And I think what I love about Jin's arc as a character is he actually reminds me a lot of Ahsoka. And so without getting too into spoiler territory, you know, Jin is trying to prevent the Mongols from overtaking uh, Tsushima, the, the, you know, his, his land that he's supposed to kind of inherit, inherit if his uncle kind of ad- adopts him, which is kind of the plan later in the game and you know Jin recognizes that the samurai way is not going to save the people because they're so enslaved to the samurai code that they never think outside of the box because they're so hellbent on you know walking the straight line as opposed to you know getting out of that black and white thinking and thinking like what if we what if we saw the gray of this situation can we you know, outthink the Mongols and the Khan, the main villain of this game. And he stays true to that vision going against his uncle for the greater good to save his people. And the whole time I was playing it, I just kept thinking of Ahsoka in the Clone Wars and how, you know, Anakin and Yoda and all of these characters, not so much Anakin, but certainly like Yoda and the Jedi Council were always hellbent on following the Jedi way and making sure that, you know, you never expressed emotion, you never fall in love, you're never led by your heart, you're always, you know, following the Force and all this other nonsense. And Ahsoka saw past that, you know, she didn't really see herself as a true Jedi because she didn't believe in what the Jedi stood for. Um, and so she, of course, walked away um, from the Jedi in that sense and, you know, kind of became her own person and was more of like a rogue uh, Jedi, and I think that's kind of how I, I envision Jin and his story and his arc and and his whole uh, progression as a character throughout the course of this game and how everything plays out. I think is really special, and certainly the tail end of the game, how you're left up to 
um, a really pivotal decision that I won't get into, but I think it's a testament to Sucker Punch's writing and how far they've come, you know, when they were making Sly Cooper games back on the PlayStation 2, eventually doing the infamous series, and then penning a story like Ghost of Tsushima is mind-boggling to see where they've come and it all comes down to those final moments in Ghost of Tsushima with Jin and his the where his story ends up landing up is just I don't know man it was so cool and so good and I'm so glad that I went back to it so it can be part of our game of the year discussion you know I'm sure when we do our game of the year discussion we'll probably get into the spoiler territory of you know the last of us and Ghost of Tsushima um but to see how well this game has done sale-wise makes me so happy because I think it gives Sucker Punch the opportunity to make another game, uh, a sequel to this one, which I think they very well could and absolutely should. And with this game being in the Game of the Year running for the Game of the Year awards, as much as I want something like Hades to get that notoriety being more on the indie scene side of things, I hope Ghost of Tsushima wins because... I think the story, its performances by all the voice actors is certainly deserving of it, but also just to celebrate Sucker Punch and how far they've come as a developer to create a game so special in all regards, you know, just seeing their past in video game development. Um, I think to beat something that everyone kind of expects Final Fantasy VII Remake or expects certainly Naughty Dog's The Last of Us Part Two to win, um... I'd much rather see the winning title to go to something like Ghost of Tsushima or Hades. But um, but yeah, man, long and short of it, really fucking glad that I went back to Ghost of Tsushima. That game is amazing. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you ended up doing it. It was kind of disappointing when it initially came out. We both got it. I played through it, and uh, you, I, you just weren't feeling it. But from the story beats when they're hitting and your your comments to me on those, I'm I'm glad you really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's good stuff, and, um, you know, I know Josh, friend of the show as well, he kind of, because I was in a similar place to him when it first came out, it was like, I just don't feel like I can binge this game. You know, I go in, I play for an hour or two, I take a bunch of screenshots, and I just kind of feel like I'm done with it, but when I started to focus on the story, man, it was like, buckle up, because I'm not stopping until I see the credits roll. No, I made those same, I don't know if I'd call them compromises, but changes i mean i i switched from originally i was going going the purest route for japanese with uh english subtitles but i was losing a lot of the immersion and i wanted to be as immersed into this beautiful world as much as possible so i switched that and then i ended up doing for the most part i mean maybe not the first area where i cleared everything but I ended up not doing a lot of the side quests and just going main story and then kind of just horsing around a little bit. But yeah, I I really enjoyed it and I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Uh, hopefully it ranks high on your game of the year after Bug Snacks. Well, certainly, yeah. You know, very close second to Bug Snacks. But um, I think the, the really special thing about it too is that for me, um, because I wanted to be so immersed in it, I put headphones on and played my entirety the entirety of the time I went back to it, I played with headphones on so that I didn't, I wasn't distracted by podcasts or Twitter or discord or anything like that. And, but now that I've beaten the main story, 
um, I feel like it can become more of a podcast game where I can ride around on my horse and clear the map, do the side quests, collect all of the things, and not feel like um, um, I'm getting a half-baked experience because I'm distracted by other things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's the exact same thing I did. When I wasn't doing the main story and I was just going around trying to unlock fox dens and like clear the fog, I was listening to podcasts and Heine House Productions on a Saturday night, so... Yeah, no, it's a good time, just for the grand. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Well, I, that's about all I have for games played and PS Five and all that good stuff. Anything for the good of the order before we start to wrap the show up? No, I. I mean, I'm really enjoying the PS Five. I guess in summary, um, excited to see where it goes. It sounds like we have a lineup for the beginning uh, part of next year, and. I mean, despite a few of our gripes, I think it was, and the scalpers and all that bullshit with cat litter, but I I think it was a solid launch. Hopefully they can keep producing both consoles, really, PS5 and Xboxes, and everyone can get them as soon as possible to start enjoying it. For sure. A couple more things, actually, that I kind of forgot about. So one thing I want to run down the list here and talk about, because... I know it was something I was kind of unaware of. I was like throwing in Skyrim and Kingdom Hearts Remastered and all these different games, just thinking that they were going to magically perform an Xbox Series X and up-res to 4K, and that definitely wasn't the case. In comparison, there's only a handful of games right now that are enhanced PS4 games for the 5. So um, I'm going to run down that list real quick, just so... uh, I mean, this is an educational program, Ryan. We talk about that pretty often here on Otaka Brothers. Yeah, I mean, so. if you don't advance a mass, math grade level by the end of at least 10 podcasts, we're not doing our job. We failed you, exactly. So yeah. uh, the first game I have here on my list, Days Gone, runs at 60 frames in 4K on PS5. Final Fantasy 15 unlocks at 60 frames in light performance mode. Um, some of these specific modes, I'm, I'm sure you can kind of configure them in the menu systems, but I can't uh, speak of, I can't speak on behalf of all of them because I didn't really try or test all of these. Uh, Ghost of a Tale, I've actually never heard of that. That runs at solid 60 frames with V-Sync turned on. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is a solid 60 frames in resolution mode. I tried and attempted to do this. I, I feel like you get into splitting hair territory, though, when a game like Ghost of Tsushima already looks so stunning on the PS4. Um, if it ran better on PS5, it wasn't like it shattered my expectations and I couldn't believe what I was seeing on screen. For me, yeah. it seemed to run comparably that it did on PS4. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, 60 frames in performance mode at 1080p. Uh, God of War runs at a solid 60 frames in performance mode. Just Cause 3 locks at 30 frames, which I don't think that's an enhanced game, but that's on the list here. Uh, The Last Guardian, of course, the developers of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, this one runs at 60 frames in 1800p? Is that a thing? But it says only if the disc version is used, not with a patch. I mean, I think you can get a certain, uh, like, in, in, in between P's. Like 1080p, I think there's like a 14-something P. Really, the more P's, the better. Absolutely. Until Dawn runs at 1080p, but at 60 frames per second. Um, And that's my list. So, solid number of games that make use of the PS5 tech, I'm sure, moving forward. Um, I think it's probably more on the developer of these games to 
um, implement some type of patch for it to run better on PS5. Um, I've been wrong before a lot about a lot of things, so my, my understanding of that is probably flawed. So if you want to write into the show, let me know in the Discord or at otakubillerspodcast at gmail.com. You know, feel free to do that. I'm, I'm all about being proven wrong, Ryan, because it's all about getting better, right? Yeah, yeah. Prove us wrong, please. Tell us we suck. I, I think you did a lot during the Harry Potter review <laughs> or lore video or podcast, so... Yeah, check out episode 15 between platforms 9 and 10. Our boy Chronolink91 really ripped me a new asshole because uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I screwed up everything related to Harry Potter. But um, Harry's not 15. the main protagonist anymore, I think is what we said. And Neville should have been king. And then yeah. I think we talked about Return of the King a little bit. Yeah. Snape was actually, you know, uh, Harry's dad. So it's, yes. It's to be honest, story. I've never seen Harry Potter. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never at all. Oh my yeah. goodness gracious. Well, uh, that's all I have for the show, Ryan. What I did want to quickly talk about is just um, future episodes. Of course, I talked about in the beginning how episode 100 is not going to be the live episode I wanted it to be just because um, my PC and all of the good parts are actually on the way. I ordered everything from Newegg. Uh, so far, I've gotten the power supply. I've gotten my gigabyte monitor. I've gotten my um, my keyboard, but all the other parts are on the way. So I'm hoping to have all of that uh, built and assembled. Oh, I've also gotten the case, uh, but I, I'm hoping to have all of that built and assembled here in the next maybe two or three weeks or so. Um, but I also don't want to rush to get all the OBS stuff type, all of the stuff in OBS uh, set up because I would like to have. Um, some custom overlays and stuff just to kind of ring in the celebration of Otaku Brothers. And I know you and I have talked offline about some things that we wanted to have prepped and ready for a live episode um, just to bring to the table. And those things aren't going to be ready in time. So uh, just because we've run into so many technical issues over the past few weeks that we've kind of put things on pause. But that doesn't mean that the show itself is going on pause. We are still going to record episodes moving forward and with episode 100, I want it to be uh, the first of hopefully an annual tradition of the Otaku Brothers Community Game of the Year Awards. So Ryan and I have offline created five specific um, awards that we will be sharing hopefully by the time uh, episode 96 goes live. And what I want to end up doing is creating a poll where everyone on the Discord can basically submit their five awards. Uh, one of the five is your Game of the Year award, but there's also four other specific ones that Ryan and I have kind of come up of our own creation that I think should just make for fun discussion, fun debate, but ultimately the most important thing is just having the community's voice heard. And that's really what I wanted to prioritize moving forward, that it's not just Ryan and I talking for four hours about our top 10 games of the year, but how can we get the community involved and have a greater discussion with everyone that listens to the show. So that's kind of the plan for episode 100, where we're still celebrating the community in a fun way, talking about our favorite games of the year. Um, and then hopefully, maybe episode 110, 115, Ryan and I can go live on Twitch and then make that a regular occurrence moving forward, um, where we you know have trivia sessions and other fun stuff um, that we'll eventually you know bring to the table. But 
a uh, little disappointing that we couldn't for episode 100 ring it in live with everyone uh but you know hopefully everyone's patient with us and and you know technology isn't always easy and whenever you want it to work it never does so uh we just couldn't get things going for episode 100 like we wanted to but i still think we have a lot of fun stuff in store yeah it's just good to be back um and we'll we'll plan on every week from here on out and then if things change or our computers explode or whatever we'll let you guys know but yeah we have some fun stuff planned absolutely uh but as we wrap things up here i again want to continue to thank everyone for listening to the otaku brothers podcast um you know the year that we've been dealt uh is it's been a wild one it's been a roller coaster uh each month feels like a year uh, looking back, to think that Animal Crossing came out this year, I mean, that just seems like a, a lifetime ago. Um, but I think the, the greatest thing that we can celebrate is that with everything that's happened this year, the one thing that hasn't failed to deliver is great video games. Month after month, these developers are still working tirelessly um, to pump out some of the greatest video games that we've seen in quite some time. And, and Xbox or Microsoft and Sony released two new or really to each new consoles this year, um, which is phenomenal. And we have a lot to be thankful for in that regard. So um, anyways, you know, as Rusty does towards the end of these episodes, he tends to ramble, but we want to thank everyone for listening. If you want to get in on fun discussion, that's constantly happening in our community, click the little link in our show notes and you'll get added to our discord server automatically we're always talking about wacky things, whether it's cereal, our Taco Bell orders, the woes, the highs and lows of trying to order a next-gen console and everything else in between. It's always good fun. So please join us there. If you have a question that you want to write into the show or a topic of suggestion moving forward, you can also write us that and uh, just throw us a little note over at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We love audio questions too. So Send us one of those if you are feeling a little wild. But as I always do at the tail end of the episode, I turn it back to my co-host, Ryan. Any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, just uh, stay safe out there um, as COVID picks up. And good luck to everyone ordering consoles. May the force be with you all. Absolutely. And we will see you next time. See ya. See ya.